Welcome to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast, a general practice podcast brought to you by Menlo Park Recruitment. Illuminating Primary Care is here to quiz primary care leaders to offer professional knowledge, experience and insight on the biggest topics in general practice. It's the podcast to listen to if you work in primary care. Welcome to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the Illuminating Primary Care podcast. Today I am joined by Charlotte Humphrey, a primary care paramedic practitioner and team lead for the West London Network at the Location Medical Services. Now Charlotte is currently busy underway building up her own team of paramedics whilst also working at the acute illness clinics and urgent treatment centres. Now Charlotte is very much used to and enjoys the fast-paced environment and, and broad spectrum of patients that she gets to see on a day-to-day basis, being very passionate about her role and patient care. Not to forget that Charlotte has a background in teaching and having been a paramedic clinical lecturer at the Cumbria University. Excited to have you on board, Charlotte. Thank thank you. you. It makes me sound quite good, doesn't it, really? (laughs) You are quite good. No, very excited for this uh, this podcast to talk about, I guess, the transition and um, for paramedics going from secondary care into primary care and definitely thought it'd be valuable to hear your experience firsthand. Um, yeah, so let's just dive right in. I guess what I want to start off with is kind of why, why did you transition from secondary care into primary care, Charlotte? Well, honestly, it was an accident. Um I was a lecturer at university uh, for a degree apprenticeship program. So training the TEKS, uh, techs eeks uh, into becoming paramedics. And I did that for a year and I realized I was miss- missing sort of patient contact quite a lot. Um, and I loved teaching. I really enjoyed the teaching aspect, but unfortunately with teaching, as all teachers know, comes a lot of admin and I'm not someone that enjoys admin. So, um, so it was one of those things where I started kind of looking around and, the secondment was for, for a short period of time anyway. It was through the ambulance service that I was with. Um, so I was kind of thinking about what my next options were. And it's either you continue and you enrol as a lecturer and you leave the ambulance service uh, or you think about something else. And to be honest, I never saw myself going into primary care because I think I always enjoyed sort of the, the rush of, of being frontline and all of that kind of thing. And then things start to change. <laughs> I think yeah. I realised in that year uh, I got a dog, um, which was really nice because I could facilitate that because I was working partly from home. Um, and I also was sleeping normal hours. Um, a couple of things like that that you suddenly realise, actually, I, I'm quite a well person now, which was shocking. Um, so I, I kind of started looking for jobs. And to be honest, I think it was quite scary leaving such a large organisation. I think most paramedics see themselves in a a frontline ambulance service and they don't really think much else beyond that. And so when I started looking around, it was quite scary to think, oh, I'm going to be leaving the ambulance service that I thought I was going to be with for my entire career. And so when you start looking around, you actually realise there's so many options for paramedics. And I think because the ambulance services need you, I think you're not really enlightened on those options. And so I was quite surprised to find so many options. So I started applying and to be honest, I wasn't expecting to hear back from anyone. And I heard back from everyone I applied for. So I went for some interviews and the company that I ended up going with in the end is a small company, uh, but they just really look after their staff. And I really felt a warmth from them when I had my interview. And so that's where I ended up. And then, you know, you never know whether it's going to 
amount to anything but uh I mean I've been there for just under a year and they've been fantastic in terms of my development and giving me extra roles and stuff like that so that's how it happened basically brilliant no that's that's really good to hear and it's um, it's good to hear how I guess you never anticipated going down the route of primary care but now you're here and I think yeah a lot of paramedics aren't aware of those options I think or kind of what yeah on secondary care I think um I think it's a sign of uh, the, the the role of the paramedic has changed drastically. So I think there's a little bit of that. So there's, I think there's a misunderstanding of, of what we're capable of and, and where we can fit into different areas of, of medicine now. But I think aside from that, our development is, is based on uh, large organisations. And unfortunately, you don't get that one-on-one contact regarding your development. You're, you're I felt, um, a, a bum on a seat. So you're there to do your job, you go home and no one really knows that you exist. Now, going into primary care, you're noticed. You're noticed, you are thanked. Um, everyone's happy that you're there. It's, uh, it was a really strange experience on my first day whereby the GPs were thankful that I was there. Normally, you're referring to a GP and they're really unhappy about it because you've given them extra work. But where you're taking away work, they loved you. And then you go to the patients who ordinarily wouldn't be seen by their doctors and they're dead chuffed to see you. So you get patients being lovely to you, the doctors being lovely to you. And, you know, you're used to frontline ambulance where you're getting abused for being late to, to, to jobs because there's not enough ambulances and stuff. So it's a complete culture shock. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's, it's something I always wanted to be a critical care APP, advanced practitioner. That's always what I was going to do. And to be honest, you know, it's not off the cards at some point in the future, but I think that primary care provides a work-life balance that isn't possible in frontline ambulance. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think when I speak to paramedics, that's the, I think the continuing, like, well, the narrative is that the, the long hours, unsociable hours, the long shifts, the night shifts, not being able to, you know, spend time with the kids, et cetera. So I completely get kind of where you're coming from in that, you know, primary care has offered you that work-life balance again. Mm. So hopefully more time with your dog. Yeah, um, exactly, my baby. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. And I guess in terms of benefiting you then, do you think the main benefits have been um, having that work-life balance and kind of those career development opportunities? I mean, how has it benefited you? I'd say that it's more the career benefit opportunities. Um, I think I I worked very hard in the ambulance service and I've always been very motivated to, to progress. I never wanted to be one of those paramedics who's kind of annoyed at the world because they're still just on an ambulance and haven't done much else. And then seven years go by and you're like, why am I still here? Um, I never saw myself being like that because I've, I've got ADHD. So I get itchy feet a lot. And so I was like, right, I need to do it. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And I realized that when I would go to my personal development reviews in the ambulance service, it would be met with, oh, uh, well, actually, because of COVID, we're not really doing personal development reviews. We're just checking in to see how you are about COVID. I'm like, well, I'm fine with COVID. It's been going on for ages now. <laughs> I, I want to know where my career is going, you know? And so it was always kind of quashed a little bit. And I think that uh, the ambulance service itself, and to be fair, medicine in general, I think is a little bit judgmental of young people coming through who don't have the years on the road experience. Um and it's, it's kind of a preconception that if you don't have 10 to 15 years experience, that you aren't worthy of the promotion or worthy of some kind of new position. Um, but I think that 
going to a smaller company where you're known on a one-to-one basis and you meet a lot of different people that provide you with opportunities, you know, you suddenly the doors start opening, you know, and people message you on, on LinkedIn, for example, or, you know, um, in any GP surgery, they're like, oh, do you want to come and work for us? You know, that as soon as you make an impression, you're known. And in the ambulance service, that's just not, it's not a thing. You know, you, you just turn up, you do your job and you go home. But uh, I think that there's been a, a huge amount of, of progression that I've had in, in this sector in a very short space of time. And it's because you're commended when you work hard. Whereas I don't think that that happens in frontline ambulance work. I'm sure maybe some people have experienced that, but I certainly didn't. So Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I feel like, again, based on when speaking to paramedics, um, you always you hit a ceiling like in terms of progression in the ambulance service and like you said it's just that routine day in day out there aren't any career progressions it's just dealing with the oncoming demand 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 um and it, it's great to see that primary care does offer that the mother avenues um because yeah. like you said there's there's an abundance of you know opportunities you just have to I guess go out yeah. and look for them yeah exactly um, and what would be your top tips for paramedics from secondary care from the ambulance service transitioning into primary care kind of what would you have wanted someone to, to tell you for example um so I mean obviously I'm putting together a team at the moment so the kind of things that I'm looking for well to be honest uh, um I I think it's it's just having an enthusiasm an enthusiasm and a want to learn because I'm quite happy to take someone that doesn't have experience in primary care as long as they're clearly wanting to learn because I'll train them. That's not a problem. But it's people that are kind of stuck in their old ways and are not really amenable to further education or, or amenable to someone who looks about 12 like me telling them, you know, what, what the way is and stuff like that. So it's, 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 it's more of a, a, a personality thing, I would say, more than anything is a want to learn. Um, you've got to have a certain enjoyment for the intricacies of primary care as well, because I think there's a huge misconception about what primary care is and that it's kind of a, a cop out from from frontline work. And actually, I would say that the, 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 the challenges that you face in primary care are far more cerebral than what you had to deal with on on frontline ambulances because I mean frontline ambulance yes you get a big job every now and then and it's like oh yeah that was great and you really had to be on it and and but you're actually following algorithms that have sort of been ingrained into you since your first day of teaching as a paramedic whereas primary care is so multifaceted that you kind of uh, you've got to know so many different things um and it's a real sort of you know you're, you're that last point of contact you know on the ambulance you would then refer to a GP if you don't think the patient needs to go to, to hospital. But in primary care, you are that last point of contact with the patient before nothing happens. So you have to be really holistic with your approach. So I think that having someone that comes in with a very holistic way of dealing with patients, a good patient manner, um, I see that in the way that, that the person would sort of engage with me in an interview or, or even just when we're sort of doing ride outs on the car and stuff. Um, but I wouldn't say that necessarily to come into primary care, you have to have done X, Y, and Z modules and have done X, Y, and Z experience. I think having the lecturing experience that I did bode my advantage. I think that's why probably I was employed. I would say going into education um, would be a good sort of middle way. 
uh, to, to come into primary care because it just allows you to brush up on your own knowledge, to be honest. Whilst you're teaching people, you're consolidating your own learning. And a lot of the modules sort of in the final years of the paramedic degree programs focus on minor injury and minor illness. So, you know, you become an expert in it and advanced assessments and stuff like that. And then you walk away from that and you're like, oh, that was actually really interesting because there was, it was really intricate details. Whereas, you know, we can all sort of sort out a trauma job and, you know, plug some wounds and sort out fluid therapy and stuff like that. But when it comes to the intricacies of primary care and minor, minor injury, minor illness, it's, it, you have to know quite a lot. So education, I would say, is a good little middle ground. So if you're either working on an ambulance as a, a sometimes a sort of training NQPs, newly qualified paramedics, that can be a good sort of indicator that perhaps you've done a little bit more education. That would be something I would look for. Um, Obviously, so the do you know about the first contact pathway? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's been a huge thing that's come out from higher, uh, higher education in England. Um, we're now sort of looking to upskill our workforce into the first contact pathway. So it's the pillars of education and it's looking for things like your advanced assessments in, in master's format, um, minor injury, minor illness, prescribing courses, um, we've literally been setting that up this week, actually, for our staff. Um, so we start in September to upskill. But like I said, it's not a requirement. So I think paramedics are more equipped to deal with primary care than you would think, because I think it, people who aren't paramedics would assume that all we deal with is acute care. But we all know that's not the case. We mostly deal with primary care, but we don't have the resources to actually deal with it properly. So it's actually a very frustrating situation to be in when you could treat a patient better or keep them at home in, in a much better environment, particularly elderly people. But you're stuck. Your hands are tied because you can't get a referral. Um, so you can't safety net that, that patient. So the joy of working in primary care is that you have all of that at your fingertips. You can safely leave people at home. You know, our, our, the whole point of our service is to act as a stopgap between patients that may require hospital but to keep them at home that's it so I think that everyone shouldn't sell themselves short I think everyone is is capable of coming into primary care um it's just whether you are keen to learn yeah I think it like boils down to attitude as well and kind of where someone is at uh, at their stage of life like for example ambulance service might be exactly what they're looking for which is great yes. but I think it's also just an awareness because I feel like um, I think I've repeated myself, but people aren't aware of what is out there and what primary care can lead to. Um, you know, just because you're a paramedic, there's always that, you know, instant association with the ambulance service of, mm. you know, I'm working on the front line for, and I'll be doing that for, for the foreseeable. But like you said, um, look what's out there. But also I think having the attitude, if you want to learn, if you want to progress and you want to continue growing as a clinician, um, definitely have that attitude and I think primary care could definitely be a good fit for you and um, so why do you think practices and primary care services are struggling at the moment to recruit paramedics that's kind of a hot question can yeah, what, what, what do you think what do you think is happening where, where is it going wrong because you know paramedics are becoming more aware of primary care opportunities and mm. um, practices are becoming more aware of the you know the benefits a paramedic can add to their practice why is it that they're, they're struggling what's the happening in between would you um, say so so gut feeling um mm. is that i think there's this culture of martyrism 
in the ambulance service where if you're not going to incredibly traumatic jobs and you're not working crazy hours, then you're a cop out. Um, I've certainly been up against judgment for being in what everyone calls GP land. Um, and it's seen it's seen as, as, as not being as worthy as frontline work. Um, I think at some point I would have had that opinion for sure. And I understand why that opinion is had um, because, you know, there is this certain feeling that you get when you're on a frontline ambulance and you're like, you know, perceived as this hero and or it's, it's really hard to ignore, you know, that is something that is nice. <laughs> um, but I think that there's two reasons why people, but there's not enough uh, paramedics in the roles. There's that the first reason that people think that they're going to be judged for going into primary care. Um, I was recently, unfortunately, one of my friends had a, a quite a bad climbing accident and we had to call the ambulance out because he fractured dislocation, open to fib. It was quite bad. Um, and I was there sorting him out because I saw the whole thing happen and the ambulance came and there was a older team leader of some sort that said, oh, so you don't work for the ambulance service. And I was like, no, 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 I left, I left a while ago now. And he was, he was like, oh, so what are you doing? I saw primary care and he went, oh, oh, GP land, I see, like all this kind of thing. It was a very judgmental interface. Yeah. I think it's a lack of understanding of what we do. Um, but, you know, it does make you feel like, oh, God, I'm not a proper paramedic. You know, it does, it, it, that's the first thing that comes to your head. Um, but I think embracing how the job is evolving is the, the best way of doing it. The other side of it is I think that, some of the people uh, that come into primary care because of the work-life balance side of it come to primary care to retire. So they come here, chill out, and that's it. Now, those people, similarly to how they would be on frontline ambulance, don't progress. And so they do end up in a monotonous role, um, which can become quite boring, as with any job. Um, but actually, I'm purposely putting together quite a young team because I think the culture of someone who is quite fresh to, to paramedic stuff, you're going to have, you know, a bit more positivity about it, I think, because, you know, everyone sort of wanes towards the end of their, their, their career. Um, but also because I think the education that younger paramedics have received is far more appropriate for primary care. Even just the degrees now obviously involve minor injury, minor illness, like I said earlier, um, Whereas the, the old style courses didn't involve that because it wasn't based around an ambulance service that dealt with primary care. Um, so I quite like bringing in a young team that's enthusiastic, um, not coming into primary care to retire <laughs> um, and just just really wants to, to progress and learn. Um, so I think that's why we don't have enough people is because there's there's people who have a bad opinion of primary care and what it what it's there for. Yeah, no, of course. And do you ever feel like practices and, and GP services, well, yeah, themselves kind of misconstrued what a paramedic can do? Because I've spoken to, 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 you know, to practice managers, partners that sometimes don't really understand the benefit or don't have any clarity around what a paramedic could bring to their workforce. Do you think that's an issue? 100%. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, the, the whole reason why our company has now been successful in London since I was put there is because I've networked. I've networked with every single practice. We've got 
we're starting in another location um, in two weeks' time. And there's two more other locations that are now interested in the neighbouring boroughs. And it's because as soon as you get into a practice and you network, we've got 14 practices that we started with in their primary care network. I went into all of them. I was like, hi, I'm Charlotte. Like, I've got loads of energy. Let's talk about paramedics. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, just became that sort of interface for them to ask questions. And now as a result, there's nothing they don't they don't trust me with because they've realized actually we have the same skill set as a, a general practitioner because we are general practitioners. We're just not doctors. That's the thing. So we can't prescribe. Yes, but we can certainly work towards prescribing. Um, but aside from that, we're completely well equipped to deal with this. You know, we can spot big, big sick, which is the main thing. Um, and I think actually having paramedics in primary care is fantastic because our threshold for being worried about a patient is 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 much less than uh, other practitioners because we've seen really sick people. So actually, it benefits patients because we can keep them in the community because because we feel safe to do that because we know they're not actually really that sick. Whereas I think that I know I've certainly on the front line been quite frustrated by the referrals we get sometimes where we like turn up and like this patient's fine they don't need to go to hospital it's actually counterintuitive for them to go to hospital because they're old and they're going to get an infection in hospital and so on and so forth um so I think there's definitely a lack of understanding but I think the more it's definitely evolving you know having been in these 14 GP surgeries now the way that we've expanded is through word of mouth so different partners of different surgeries have been like oh actually this is quite good and oh they do this and this and then it's kind of been expanding but as far as I'm aware, we are the only service in London that delivers what we deliver. So I think it's really kind of early or perhaps ahead of its time. Um, but I see this being the consultation model going forwards, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I've had um, a few practices as well that have had great success with home visiting paramedics, you know, actively recruiting them, saying, you know, we want someone from the frontline services, we want someone to come on board and build up that team. Like I've had great success with that as well. So I feel like there is that correlation. I think it's just understanding, but practices are getting out there and they are learning. And I think it is about adding to that multidisciplinary team because, you know, it, it, otherwise the workload would become you know, almost impossible for a GP and just nurses solely. So it is about yeah. integrating those roles, you know, paramedics, even other roles like clinical pharmacists, PAs, et cetera. But I definitely see the huge benefit of paramedics. Um, but yeah, just understanding, I think, really, and clarity. The, the um, you know, at, at some point, I don't know when it happened, emergency nurse practitioners became a thing, you know, and that's mm -hmm. now an accepted role and everyone knows what they do. Um, I think that, if they were just in that phase where people were learning and we will become as ingrained as an emergency nurse practitioner at some point. Um, the other thing that you said about the home visiting service, I think that a lot of paramedics, uh, we, we don't like to be caged. We're not inside people. Um, so, it, you know, the thought of being inside a GP surgery or inside a hospital or anything like that literally terrifies you. But, you know, a word of advice out there for paramedics is there's plenty of, of services that, you know, I, I work on a car two days a week, um, doing home visits on my own out in an ambulance car, you know. Mm -hmm. So you, it's, it's not necessarily a format of having to be inside a hospital or a GP surgery. You can certainly go out into the wild as you're used to. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I guess, what do you think the future holds for paramedics in primary care? Well, I'd love to hear your answer on this. Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me all, Charlotte. 
it's limitless what can I say um so I mean I'm currently working in an urgent treatment center um it's a pilot study that's happening at the moment um looking at uh, the role of the paramedic in terms of shadowing uh, general practitioners um it's been going very well and I think what will happen with paramedics is if you want to work in a hospital, for example, uh, there's a lot of, there's a huge shortage of GPs, as everyone knows, um, and where we're being upskilled to a degree of ad advanced roles and such like, I think that the role of the advanced care practitioner uh, will become the main point of contact in a hospital. Um, and you will have, say, five ACPs um, in UTC or any or wherever and then you'll have one consultant GP and so we will see all of these patients and churn them out and all that kind of thing and but then you have a point of contact with more superior knowledge at the end of the day who mm -hmm. if you don't do your prescriptions or whatever they can do the prescriptions or if you're you know not particularly sure on a patient they've got that superior knowledge so you have that person that's overseeing all of these people and so I, I think that's the model that it will be going towards in the future but like I say this is the pilot study going on so you know it's very early in its days um but it's going well um aside from that I mean paramedics are popping up all over the place you know in prisons in in on aeroplanes and in GP surgeries I think that we're in a very fortunate position that I, I, I don't see that paramedics won't be everywhere, to be honest. It's just about getting out there what we do, which is why, you know, I wanted to do this podcast because it's it's so hugely underrecognized. You know, we're ambulance drivers um, and people don't know how much education we receive now or the different, you know, things that we can do. When people say, oh, you're a paramedic, oh, do you drive the ambulances then? I'm like, nope. And they're like, what? <laughs> yeah. You know? So I, I think I think the sky's the limit at this point, and I'm feeling very positive about it. Um, we just need more people to be coming over to primary care and seeing that it's not just somewhere you go to retire. So. No, exactly. And I love that answer. Almost like the world's your oyster. Uh, paramedic. Nice it yeah. really is. Well, thank you so much, Charlotte, for joining us on our Illuminating Primary Care podcast. It's been great. Um, very, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed listening to kind of your experience firsthand and your appearance well opinions on the matter um i've been your host jasmine core nursing and eye health specialist recruitment consultant um but for now we'll leave you to it but make sure to stay tuned for our next episode you've been listening to the illuminating primary care podcast if you enjoyed our podcast please subscribe review and share so others can find the podcast too we really appreciate your support if you're a practice looking to recruit permanent clinicians, such as GPs, nurses or allied health staff, please get in touch at menloparkrecruitment.com or email james at menloparkrecruitment.com. For daily primary care news, please follow Menlo Park Recruitment on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you'll join us next time for another episode of the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast.